Let us pray together. Gracious God, we believe that when we gather together as a community and we hear your word written for us in Scripture, that your Holy Spirit comes to lead us into all truth. And so we ask today for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. So in the midst of my words, your word might be heard and received. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. In my email with all of you this past week, I invited you to think back in time and to remember your baptism. I'd like to take a moment now just to remember that time in your life and in the life of your family. How was God moving? Perhaps just last year for some of you? Or perhaps for some of us many, many years ago, even decades ago? Who baptized you? Which community of faith celebrated that wonderful moment with you? And here's the clincher. Can you remember the date? (laughs) Can anybody remember the date? Harold can. I encourage you, if you don't know the date, to go back and do a little research. Because as the followers of Jesus, we believe that this is our birthday. Baptism is our birthday as the followers of Christ. It's a day, a sacred and holy day, that we can remember in our lives. Standing on the banks of the Jordan River today, we witness the inauguration of Jesus' three-year ministry here on earth. Leaving his home in Nazareth, Jesus now enters fully into his mission of liberating and saving the human family. In the words of Isaiah... He comes to bring us out of our dungeons, dungeons of sin, of injustice, of self-hatred, dungeons of separation from God and those around us. By God's tender mercy, God now acts decisively through Jesus to come and set us free. And standing on the Jordan there today, imagine yourself, the banks are right there and and the water is flowing right near us. We also witness a scene of exquisite communion within the Trinity of God as the Abba blesses, the Holy Spirit descends, and the Son receives. As Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove 
and alights, I love that word, alights upon Jesus. The curtains are pulled back. And Jesus' full identity as the Son of God is revealed. And a voice from heaven announces, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Friends, notice the circle of love painted for us in this story. The circle of love between the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit circling. And the beautiful thing for us here this morning is that we're not just asked to stand by the bank and and be mere observers of this holy communion within God. We are invited to jump in and to become participants in this divine communion ourselves. As Jesus later says in John 17, verse 20, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us. May they also be in us. Do you see what this means? We too are invited to receive the Holy Spirit. We too are invited to rise up out of those waters of the Jordan into our new lives in Christ. And we too are invited to hear God, the Abba, assure us that we belong in God's family. And that we are indeed God's beloved children. And how often we doubt that. So let's turn to each other now. And speak those words that were spoken to Jesus, but that are also meant for each one of us as Jesus' followers. Turn to your neighbor and say to them, You are God's beloved child. Right now. Hey, brother. Amen. So are you. You are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. Thanks be to God. I'm part of a contemplative prayer group that meets every Tuesday evening down at St. James Episcopal Church. And I love walking down Orange Street on Tuesday afternoon, actually early evening, going into the sanctuary. And this isn't a very Mennonite thing to do, but you know what I really love to do is to dip my hand in the baptismal font at the back of the sanctuary and to feel that water. Sometimes I'll make a sign of the cross on my forehead because it takes me back physically. I just feel that water and I remember 
when I was baptized all the way back in 1979. Let me tell you a little bit about that time in my life. I was 15 years old in 1979, a sophomore at a high school in Fresno, California called Roosevelt High School. And our mascot was or were the Rough Riders, the Roosevelt Rough Riders. And it was a very apt and appropriate and fitting mascot for our school because it was, it was a rough school. And I remember that sophomore year coming home from school almost every day feeling lost, feeling like a misfit after my family's five years with MCC in Jerusalem and then coming back into American culture, feeling like I had few friends, and because of all this acting out in class, mouthing off to my teachers, being a thorn, a regular thorn in their flesh getting in trouble. I thought I'd have everybody here who works in a high school raise your hands. <laughs> well, I, I was the kind of guy that makes life difficult for you regularly. And maybe the next time something like that is happening in class, you can just sort of in your mind think, that, that, that girl or boy is maybe going to be a pastor someday. In 1979, I started reading a copy of the Living Bible. Remember that? It had a blue jeans cover. And uh, since it was too daunting for me to just start in Genesis, I went all the way back to those helps. You know, if you're feeling depressed, read this. If you're feeling lonely, read this. If you don't feel good about yourself, read this. Well, I was all those things, and so I read all of those verses. And I'll, I can still remember how I began to sense God's presence in my life as I did that. God's presence, warming, quieting, steadying. The Bible, you see, was fulfilling its most important purpose. And the most important purpose of the Bible is not to give us information, not to give us a bunch of rules and regulations. The most important purpose of the Bible is to help us connect with God. And the Bible was working. It was doing its work. Connecting with God. You see, through the Bible, our Lord was beginning to knock on the door of my heart. And one night in a moonlit orchard during a youth retreat, I finally said to God, come on in. Please come in. And so I was baptized on Easter Sunday by our pastor, who happened to be my dad. And the interesting thing is that even though I was on the speech team, the high school speech team then, when I gave my testimony, I was at a complete loss for words. I didn't know how to talk or to describe about 
describe my new relationship with God. I just knew that I had received a little bit of the peace and grace of Christ and that I wanted to receive more in my life. And so down I went by full immersion into the baptismal pool at our church in Fresno, California. And up I rose to walk in newness of life, to start becoming who I really was. In other words, the lifelong transformation of Todd Friesen by God had just begun. My family loves to walk beside uh, lakes and oceans and to collect unique rocks like this one. And I don't know if you have a habit of doing this, but whenever I pick up a a new rock, I often dip it into water in order to see its full beauty, to see the patterns and what it is really like when the water touches it. And I think that's a beautiful metaphor for what happens for us in baptism as well. The waters of baptism come upon us and reveal to us that each of us bears the sacred image of God reveals to us who we really are, our true selves in Christ. One of the most difficult teachings, one of the hardest teachings for of Jesus that has been the most challenging for me to understand over the years is his call for those who follow him to deny themselves. To deny self. Have you ever struggled with what that means? Especially because if we think about his greatest commandment, to love God and our neighbor as who? As ourselves. Doesn't that imply that we are supposed to, that God actually wants us to love ourselves well? In recent years, today's passage from Romans 6 has been tremendously helpful to me in beginning to solve this riddle. And I invite you to open to your passage to Romans 6 this morning if you'd like to follow along. Romans 6. In verse 3 today, in that chapter 6, we learn that in baptism, we are baptized into Christ Jesus and fully united with Him. Okay? As we descend, as we go down into the baptismal waters, we mysteriously participate in His death, 
And look at verse 6. Our old false self is crucified and buried with Jesus. You with me? Now, who is this old self that goes down and is buried? Who is this? It is the self that tries to find meaning and identity apart from God, separate from God, usually in things like power or prestige or possessions. And since this is never satisfying, we always want more of it, this old self is endlessly restless, fearful, isolated, and vulnerable to sin. This false self is always trying to prove its worth to other people by impressing and grasping and consuming and possessing. If you think about it, a lot of our TV sitcoms are full of people in their false self bouncing off of each other, grasping, possessing, conquering. And here is an important place here. It is precisely this false self that Jesus is calling us to deny and to leave behind forever. Now, in verse 4, we learn that we are raised up then from the waters of baptism to mysteriously participate in our Lord's resurrection, and we are given our new self in Christ. This true self has nothing to prove to anyone because at our core, we know that we are God's beloved children. We know that we bear the sacred image of God. And we know that we are God's beloved children. It is this true self that Jesus, if you think about it, is always calling out in people wherever he goes. Think of Zacchaeus calling out to Zacchaeus to become who he truly is. And it is this true self in Christ that we must never deny and that we must never leave behind either in ourselves or in any other human being. As a pastor, I've discovered that it's quite common for people to go through a time of disappointment and even confusion after they are baptized. I know I certainly did. Because after being washed clean, I thought that all of my struggles with sin and temptation would be over. I was washed clean, right? I was a new creation in Christ. But these struggles were not over. 
and they still aren't over. But since then, I've found great joy in discovering that our transformation by God is not a single event, but a whole lifelong process. God's work of transforming who we are takes time. It takes a whole lifetime. And it's going to continue until we take our last breath. As it says in Galatians 14, the goal is for Christ to be fully formed in each of us. And what this means, if we go back to what we were talking about, the old self and the new self, is that our process of letting our old self die and our new self in Christ blossom is a lifelong process as well. And this is why being part of a faith community is so crucial. Because we are a community where we are helping and calling out to each other for, our true, for each of us to be who we really are in Christ. And I found a question to be especially important in this process in my own life and in the life of the church, the question is, to what do we need to die in order to live more fully? What do we need to let go of? Prejudice. Maybe our youthful appearance. The privileges of empire. The old way of doing things. What do we need to let go of in order to become more fully who we are in Christ? And here's the key. Our best decisions, our most fruitful peacemaking, and our most faithful kingdom witness to the world all happen when we are functioning out of our true selves, not out of our fearful and old selves. This is true for us as individuals. It's true for us as East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church. And it's true for our denomination. When we are fully centered in Christ, we have nothing to fear no one to impress, and everybody to love. So the details of our lives are all going to be different. Each of us is unique. But the journey that we're all on together is the same one, toward communion with God. Scripture often talks about this reality. It's no longer I who live, Paul says, but it is Christ who lives in me. We're called, as it says in 2 Peter, to, 2 Peter 1.4, to become participants in the divine nature. Participants in the life of God. 
Mystical unity with Christ is our human vocation and it's our ultimate destiny in eternity. And by our Lord's grace, he has provided us with this sacred meal to help draw us more deeply into this communion with Christ and to nourish us for our lifelong journey of transformation. Lifelong. And this past week, our dear brother Clayton Charles shared a beautiful quote with me, and I want to end by sharing it with you. Communion is not a prize for the perfect, but powerful medicine and nourishment for the weak. Amen. Thanks be to God.